the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. So Stu and I saw a uh, movie this uh, earlier this week that comes out. Is it released today? Do you know? I think it's tonight, right? Um, Little Pink House. Uh, it is It is quite an amazing story of something that I, I don't think anybody really pays attention to. We were just talking about how our institutions have just taken a beating where we don't really trust any of our institutions. And it's I think it's because we no longer follow the Constitution of the United States. We are violating the uh, the Bill of Rights all the time. And it has become, you know, the, the way everybody just does business. You know, I can fire you or do whatever I want. I can I can uh, shut you down on campus for speech. You know, because of a safe zone, I can I can take your wealth, seize your property and just sell it off without any kind of charges or any kind of uh, court case. Uh, I can spy on you. It almost. In fact, I make the case that all of the top 10 in the Bill of Rights, the first 10, they've all been violated on a regular basis. And that is the source of our trouble. We are a we are a country that is based upon the idea that there are certain inalienable rights that you cannot violate. And as we violate those rights in this system, the system takes a beating. And the people suffer. There is a case that um, uh, of eminent domain that is phenomenal. And I remember when this court case came out, it was the Kelo case. I remember thinking, not really hearing anything about it until it was over and thinking, how, how is that possible? How can a city come in and take a bunch of houses and then give that property to a private corporation? Well, there's uh, a movie made about it now. It's called uh, Little Pink House. And Scott Bullock, he is the president of the Institute of Justice. He's the lawyer that is portrayed in this movie, and he's joining us now. Hi, Scott. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. You bet. Um, so tell me a little bit about uh, Suzette Kilo. For anybody who doesn't remember the Kilo case, kind of summarize it. Sure. Uh, Suzette Kilo uh, was a paramedic, uh, lived in, uh, uh, in Connecticut, and um, she had left a bad marriage after raising five sons and uh, was starting a new lease on life. And she saw a little cottage uh, when she was making one of her runs in, a, in the ambulance and uh, fell in love with this place that, as she said, had a millionaire's view on an EMT's salary. It was the first piece of property that she ever owned in her entire life. And she uh, bought it, fixed it up, painted it her favorite color, pink, and um, about a year after she had finally found a little sanctuary for herself in life, she got a knock on the door uh, and was told that uh, because a new Pfizer plant was moving in next door, that the city wanted to do uh, development to supposedly complement this Pfizer facility. And if she didn't sell, eminent domain was going to be used against her and uh, her neighbors to clear them out 
to make way for these development projects because the city wanted more tax revenue and increased economic development. So that's a, that's exactly the opposite of what eminent domain was designed to be used for, of course, which is authorized under the Constitution only for public use. So here's the amazing thing. I used to work um, at Radio City Music Hall, and I would drive up to 30 Rock, and there are two buildings, um, and they are both part of 30 Rockefeller Center. There are two buildings that do not fit the Art Deco architecture. Even Rockefeller, who was building when nobody else was building, providing all kinds of jobs, all kinds of taxes for, I don't even remember what it is, 12 city blocks he had to buy every single piece of property. Those two, uh, uh, those two uh, buildings that are now part of 30 Rock were left there because those were the two people that said, I'm not selling. He, right. Even he couldn't use eminent domain like this. What's happened to us? Well, it, it, it happened over the course of many decades uh, where, and this is what usually happens, is where exceptions start being made to the Constitution and words start being changed. And so public use was pretty clear. It meant for true public uh, projects like a road or a bridge or things that were uh, used all by the public, like a railroad or a public utility where everybody had right to, to use the Hosp- uh, hospital. Uh, the a hospital, that sort of thing okay. with it. Uh, but then government started to wanting to do these, what was been then in the 50s and 60s called urban renewal projects. So they said, well, it would amount to taking land from one private owner and handing it over to another private owner. That sounds like private use, not public use as it stands in the Constitution. But they said, well, let's read the public use provision broadly to mean things like public benefits. And public benefits are more tax revenue, more jobs, and increased economic activity. And so over the course of several decades, this provision kept getting watered down. Government power kept growing. And then it got to the point where not just Rockefeller, but just about any business, uh, big box retail stores, condominium developers, Pfizer, and others could say, you know what, we would like to have this property. It's great. It's right down by the water. And we could make better use of this land than what the current owners are doing. And if they don't want to sell, we'll just get the government to take it for them. Developers love it. They get land on the cheap. And then uh, government thinks that, well, maybe these projects will produce more tax revenue. And it's, at, of course, at the expense of our constitutional rights. You made This point is very well illustrated in the movie as you're making your argument in front of the Supreme Court, where you talk about if there's a Motel 6 that is mm-hmm. put up somewhere, they can actually tear down even a business to build a better hotel because in theory that would bring in more tax revenue. Exactly in theory, and that's and that's the the key. And is is, is the key locations you know exhibit A in this is all the government has to do in these instances and in private businesses is project. We project that this will create X million dollars in new tax revenue or uh, several hundred more in new jobs. And then oftentimes, as the movie illustrates, and as so many of these projects uh, have played out over the years, that the projections at, at best fail to live up to expectations. Well, it's not. Or they never come to to pass mm-hmm. at all. Yeah, and that's that's the key on the kilo case. This this changed our country, uh, and 
And it was all done because of urban renewal. It wasn't really given to uh, Pfizer. They This was adjunct uh, land, if, if I understand right, where they were going right. to build apartments and hotels and, and restaurants and movie theaters. So the city just seizes it and the, uh, mows all of these houses down. Um, it causes all these people to lose their homes. And in the end, what's on that property today? Nothing but weeds and mm. uh, and feral cats. Un- That's what's there. Unbelievable. They never even it never even came to fruition. I've I've been I, I grew up in Connecticut as, as you know, Glenn, um, and I've spent a lot of my summers in that town. There's a there was a little water slide park in that town called Ocean Ocean Beach Park, I believe it was called, um, and I, we used to go down there every summer, right right down near this area. And you know, it's not that it was not the nicest area in the world. However, you know, it doesn't matter. If you if you purchase property, that should be the end of the story. And I think the, what you outlined, uh, Scott, in the in the in the uh, in the movie, uh, and of course, more importantly, in your actual <laughs> constitutional argument, is that in a way, this almost this ruling, if taken to its logical uh, extent, it almost invalidates the concept of private ownership of property. Yes. Right. That's exactly right. Because anybody could come up with a better use of your property than you're making of it. They could say, uh, you know, we think this would be better used in the hands of this person over here. So it really is a vision of eminent domain without any sort of limitations whatsoever. But the good news in the wake of the Kelo decision is the backlash against this was so strong and people were so upset about this for that very reason. I mean, this is a, this is a case that everybody instantly understood and could not believe that the court would sign off on something like this, that many states change their uh, their laws in order to better protect uh, property owners. State Supreme Courts, nine state Supreme Courts have gone in the opposite direction under their own state constitutions, which usually doesn't happen. Usually state Supreme Courts follow what the U.S. Supreme Court uh, has done. So you know, a lot of good has come out of the brave stand that Suzette and her neighbors have uh, took in this case, but more needs to be done. And um, historical memory, and people forget the lessons of history, right? And so now you're hearing governments and private parties saying, you know, we've got to get serious about redevelopment again in our town. And, um, and so this movie is extremely timely because uh, it reminds people what's at stake in this fight and to not go down the path that New London did in, uh, in, in the Kilo case. So um, you say there's been a lot of progress uh, because we were so outraged, but there, there has been another kind of seizing of property where uh, the, the government can come in and take your property without accusing you of, uh, of a crime or without, without um, a trial and just take your property and, uh, and sell it off and you're left with nothing. Right. I mean, I think you're talking about civil forfeiture. Yes. That's right. And and that is something that has been a major part of our work, um, uh, fighting for private property rights uh, as well. And this is something that has been a growing, again, throughout the country o- over a number of years. And it's another thing, like eminent domain abuse, that people can't believe that this power exists in a country Correct. that's supposed to re- respect private property rights and, and rights to due process. The government can take your property without convicting or even charging you with a crime. How is that possible? In the same way, people think, wait a minute, the government can take your house and give it to Costco? What? How how is that even possible in this country? Are you you concerned, Scott? I mean, I read about uh, civil asset forfeiture 
uh, and the way uh, the amount of those stories that is out there, once you start scratching at the surface, is remarkable. And it, it was started because, hey, we got to be able to seize the drug lords. Well, that's not what's happening anymore. Uh, and it, it is it seems to be growing at an exponential rate. Is that just my perception? No, you're absolutely right, and uh, it is. It has been. It's a huge problem, uh, not only at the federal level, but it, in many states. So, but it, but again, because of some of this backlash, we're seeing some states have actually changed their laws to better protect property owners. But so much more needs to be done. And what's driving it is the fact that um, in at the federal level and in most states, uh, law enforcement agencies get to keep yep. the money that they forfeit yes. for their own use. Every economist that tells you incentives matter. If you give people the wrong incentives, they're going to respond accordingly. So is there you're going any, to see is, an increase of focus. Is there any is there any real pushback that is that is hope on the horizon on this one? There is. I mean, several states now have changed their laws. In the, uh, we've been doing a, a campaign to to try to uh, to try to stop this, uh, and so there's been changes. Nebraska uh, in the past year, uh, it just basically abolished civil forfeiture at the state level, and so that's very uh, encouraging. Um, and there is sort of this in the same way that um, eminent domain abuse unites left and right, oftentimes, and people from both sides of the, uh, the ideological spectrum are concerned about it. Civil forfeiture is another one of those issues where there's some bipartisan agreement that this is a real problem. Uh, but the people in power, the people that benefit from this, of course, don't want the laws uh, changed on this. So it, it, is a, it is a Herculean struggle to try to, to try to fight back against this. We're talking to Scott Bullock from the Institute of Justice, an organization you need to know more about if you don't already. Um, but Scott, I, I, on a personal matter, you you're a lawyer, you know, arguing in front of the Supreme Court's got to be one of the craziest things. I mean, like, you know, when you start out from this field, this is like the top of the line, right? So right. what's it like? Tell us what it's like to actually do that, argue in front of the Supreme Court in a, in, a, in a huge case like this. And then also, what's it like to see yourself portrayed in a movie? That's got to be bizarre and not what you're looking for when you start as a lawyer. Exactly. It is. It is a little bizarre uh, to do that. I think the fellow that played me did did a nice job uh, with it. And and what I also like about the case too is it keeps keeps the focus on the clients as we always do in our work too is to uh, portray their stories. They're the ones who are you know out there uh, standing up for their standing up for their rights and to argue before the Supreme Court. Of course, is a great uh, honor to do that. And and um, it, it, it's many ways thrilling, intimidating. But what you also see too is that oftentimes. Um, the court has questions about um, yeah. where you draw the lines on yeah. this, and that's what happened uh, in, during the argument. And the and the city admitted that there are no, really no lines. Yeah, that was, it was, that was an amazing part of it. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, that was that was incredible. Scott, thank you so much, Scott Bullock, President of Institute of Justice. The the movie is Little Pink House. Go to littlepinkhousemovie.com to bring it to a theater near you or to watch the film. Find out how you can watch it. Littlepinkhousemovie.com. Every constitutionalist should be watching this. Everybody who thinks we're kind of in some trouble should be watching this movie, littlepinkhousemovie.com. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network.